Voiceover Coffee Shop, episode number 27. Welcome to the Voiceover Coffee Shop, where we share our morning with some of the finest names in voiceover. And now, here's your host, voice actor Andrew Morrison. Hi there, my name is Andrew Morrison, and welcome to the Voiceover Coffee Shop, where we start our day with some of the finest names in voiceover. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to visit my personal website at www.andrewdmorrison.com. In this episode, we have coffee with my dear friend, Ian Russell. Ian is a British-American voice actor who has given a distinct and dynamic voice life in a global audience. Ian's warm, international tones have found their way in corporate narration, e-learning, wildlife documentaries, internet explainer or promo projects, and exceptional video game work, all of which have earned him multiple nominations from both the One Voice Awards and Sovis, to name just a few. In this episode, we talk about being a foreign voice in an American market, preparing for an audition, and building a mindset towards success. How are you this morning, Ian? I'm good, Andrew. I can... Apart from my sore arms. <laughs> from all the pinball. <laughs> from all the pinball. <laughs> so how do you take your coffee? Um, not very often is the answer. Really? Um, I'm, a, I'm a Brit, so guess what? I drink tea. And I, don't, and I don't drink it the southern way. You know, cold and with sugar is my idea of a tea nightmare. I, I don't like it hot. Uh, no sugar and a drop of milk but uh, as I don't know this isn't a visual medium but uh, uh, although this is a pint glass it's full of water what I am drinking from well what kind of tea do you drink English black tea is my go-to you know or what you might see as breakfast tea or Irish breakfast tea or you know any number of versions of what is broadly the same thing it's a it's a blend of black teas we actually have our own tea bush in the garden. Oh, really? Yeah. In North Which we harvest and and make a bit of tea from. It comes out. It comes out uh, uh, quite smoky, uh, with a sort of an Earl Grey sort of thing going on. Not that we add any bergamot or anything, but uh, yeah. it's it's quite unusual, and it's okay. I'm more of a Tetley guy, or a, sorry, <laughs> plug for a British tea manufacturer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no <way>. <laughs> <laughs> so you started in um in financial in finance and you even went and went to school for chemistry so how did you mm -hmm. end up in um in the voiceover world um well when i was a young man i had well even before then so my first conscious memory is is a visual Partly visual, but mostly uh, olfactory. It's a smell, and it's the it's it's you know they always talk about the smell of the grease paint. It's not that. It's the it's the backstage smell of an old theatre. It's a sort of a slightly damp, musty wood sort of smell, and I remember it because my mother was a very keen actress. I mean, she wasn't a professional, but um, she treated it like a profession. And she, so when I was very, very young, 
and she was involved in whatever shows. I was taken to the theatre and dumped in the wings while she went and did what she did, and and so my very that's my very first memory. So I grew up around theatre, um, so I did that all through my school, college, and into my young. You know, and I I tried to be a professional actor and failed miserably. Um, <laughs> So the finance thing was, you know, I had bills to pay. So I went and got got a job that involved um, selling financial things to unsuspecting people. <clears throat> I did that for almost 30 years. Um, so how did I get into voice acting? So my wife, who's American, and that's why I live in America, um, didn't know me when I was being an actory person. Uh, but she obviously knew that I had. And she bought me, I, you know, I was the, the dad that made silly voices around the dinner table. And she bought okay. me, yeah, struggling to, you know, what do you buy the man who has everything for Christmas? She bought me a one-day workshop introduction to voiceovers. I was that guy, you know, that, that you, you know, uh, you see on the, the forums a lot. You know, oh, I've got a great voice. I do funny voices and I've been to a workshop and now I'm a professional voice actor. <laughs> you know, I was that guy. Um, and so it, probably for about two years, that was in 2012, um, about for about two years, I, I went backwards. I trundled. We were living in Oxford I, or near Oxford and I trundled up on the train to London uh and did you know workshops with with this uh organization called the showreel uh, uh run by a guy called jp or who's immense and cut my first demos um and uh, a vocal coach called uh, yvonne morley who used to be head of voice at lambda which is the london academy of music so she, you know she knows what she's talking about mm -hmm. um i kind of fell into safe hands as it were and then um uh, we got to a point where we were going to sell up and move to the U.S. because finance was becoming a bit of a nightmare for me um, in terms, well, I don't want to bore you with a long story, but, you know, that whole period after the credit crunch and all the banks were, were falling over and they were shedding people. And and uh, so where I was, they were looking for volunteers. And I said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. So I went. Um, fell on my sword and, and came and moved here uh, and I was like what, can, what am I going to do I still need to work I still need to do something I can't rattle around a house so I went to JP and I said okay I'm, I'm moving to America in six months um, I think I guess I'll need some demos and I'm going to give this voiceover thing a go will anyone ever hire me and he said don't see why not those who were not so that was the ringing endorsement that i came uh here with uh and um i met some people in greenville here mm -hmm. um uh you may be aware of lisa biggs yeah absolutely met, she was all but the first person i met when i landed here she was living in greenville at the time that's a good first person to meet i know isn't it <laughs> you know every every time i've turned around and met somebody it's been some illuminous person within the industry and i'm like oh all right so so i arrived metaphorically i almost actually literally arrived on a thursday and walked into a studio on the monday in greenville and lisa was there handing out cakes wow that's how i met her uh and and she said oh we're having this agent showcase next weekend why don't you come 
so I went and and I did my thing and I went to the agent afterwards and I said so what happens next and he said oh I guess I'll put you on my books that was Jeffrey Umberger who you'll know I know so I've landed I've arrived off an aeroplane I've met Lisa Biggs I've met Jeffrey Umberger he's put me on so I've got an agent I don't even right. know my I don't even own a microphone. Yeah, I, anybody, I, anybody listening to this is just in the voiceover. This is not how it works at all. Is, by the well, way, well, well, <laughs> well, clearly it can work that way, but it's not what people I mean, it would can, consider but... to be a normal. I mean, right. what you don't see, of course, is that I had done workshops and trained with a vocal coach for two or three years. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Before I even got to that point, you know. So all I guess right. I kind of, you know, and I had been a bit of a you know, amateur, you know, failed actor in, in my past. And I have a theatrical thing running through my family. So I, I guess in some senses it wasn't completely surprising, but, right. but um, you know, yeah, I came at it kind of a bit backwards, I think. Naivety. So out of curiosity, and, you said your, your wife's American. How did you end up meeting her with, with being in the UK? Well, I wasn't. I was in Holland at the time. Oh. Uh, and <laughs> she, uh, her friend Jennifer mm -hmm. was getting married, but Jennifer's dad had passed away. Jennifer's uncle worked in Holland. So Jennifer wanted to, and was going to give her away at her wedding. So Jennifer wanted to come over and meet Uncle Bill and chat about the wedding and didn't want to travel on her own. So Sandra uh, traveled with Jennifer to Holland to, to have a bit of a break with and meet Uncle Bill. And Uncle Bill worked for me. Gosh. And so Uncle Bill was older and they were younger. And they wanted to see the bright lights of Den Haag in the Holland. And so uh, Uncle Bill said, well, go round Ian's place. So they came and visited my little bachelor pad on the fifth floor of, of an apartment building with an uninterrupted view of the beach and the sea. And... and I don't know. Rest is history, I suppose. Twenty years later, that's fantastic. Twenty-five years later, we will have we celebrate our twentieth wedding anniversary next year. Oh, congratulations! So, that was a while ago that happened. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah, that's how we we met in Holland. She came and I jokingly say she knocked on my front door and said, "Hello, my name's Sandra," <laughs> which is sort of around a bit, sort of true, but it's a bit of a joke, really. Yeah. So has your um with has your background in in finances ever like kind of helped your voiceover career? I mean, I know it must make bookkeeping a little easier, but have you ever? No, like, I'm not an accountant. No, let's let's get it right. I'm not an accountant. Okay. <laughs> so what, what were you doing in finance? Speaking is a horror. I was a wealth manager. Okay. Okay. So, gotcha. So uh, uh, well, for example, towards the end of my career, I was working for one of the UK's largest private banks, oh. um, and uh so they were linked to one of the retail banks and the so the retail bank's job if i don't know a millionaire walked through the door was to say oh um thanks very much we need to refer you to private bank and then private bank will look after you and we had bank managers in private bank who would look after the bank bit uh and then sometime late later if the you know there was things like inheritance tax planning trust planning all that kind of thing um uh, wealth management portfolio management then they would go oh you need to meet and if it was in my geography it would be me and i'd wander all along to their 
you know, multi-million dollar house and meet the wife and kids and have tea and scones and and talk about what they wanted to do with their money and that. And then sometimes they'd go, yeah, I'll do that with you. And sometimes you'd never hear from them again. But they were quite demanding clients, you can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how does that help? Um, yeah, any, any I, I, experience I, that kind of like... I come to voice acting from from a corporate background not from a acting background okay so so my starting point is i'm running a business my starting point is not i'm an actor gotcha. so i work hard i try and do things uh, in a streamlined way uh, you were uh, uh, so uh, when we were chatting earlier um you were asking about what i'm I, so i'm speaking at, at one voice in august mm -hmm. in dallas what am I going to speak about um, for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, I will speak about some of the numbers that I pay attention to that I think help me be successful. Any hints on what those numbers might be? I'm not going to steal uh, my own thing. Right, 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 right. It would gonna... be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's they're actually not difficult numbers hmm. and they're not numbers you should be frightened of but i do think that uh if you're going to treat your voice acting business as a business then there are important numbers to be aware of yeah i do think it's important absolutely but i would wouldn't i <laughs> you know uh there was talk about voice actor and it's got the word actor in it so you need to be able to act and have a voice uh and then you add on it's a voice actor business so you've got to have a voice you've got to be able to act and you've got to have a little bit of business now about you and there's plenty of other people you know who are helping people understand uh, what they can do as a business to be successful it's not just me i'm not some of you know mark scott for example is probably a you know one of the higher profile guys um you know with his vopreneur mm -hmm. So, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not even treading on his toes because he's more of a marketing guy, I would say. You know, he's always coming at it from a marketing perspective. So this is nuts and bolts, back office. Right. Boring stuff. So does... And I think the person who's, who's presenting, like, you know, these things is always someone else. The person who's presenting, I forget who it is, but it's some um, high profile, wonderful, coachy person. There's a girl, a lady, I think. So um, I'm, I'm thinking like, everybody's going to go to her session and nobody's going to come to my session because <laughs> her session is bound to be much more exciting than mine <laughs> so does um go going to numbers um does most of your booking come from marketing or are you doing it through agency or are you doing like just open auditions all of the above all of the you above. know what why I, that's the other thing so uh uh my, you know how does my finance background help me again um when I, I talked about holland when i when i first moved to holland the guy that ran that business um he talked about having a business radar mm -hmm. like this always right. be oh you know and if you like the in the uk you know the the convenient the convenience store the corner shop which is you know open all hours um not that he said you should work all the hours god sends but that you should have that mentality that you're always open to the possibility that there might be work um and lo and behold it, it's there 
you know if you look for it you know, if you build it they will come well it's not quite like that but if you look for it it is there um uh, and again a, a sort of a business story so i was running a team in holland and i said uh, most of the business came from amsterdam and the hague and rotterdam um and there's another town sort of in the middle of the country called utrecht and i said okay we don't get any business out of utrecht why are people not going to utrecht to find business so i ran a little competition i said okay first person to go and get some a client in utrecht and bring him back and write the business gets this very large bottle of champagne nobody went nobody went nothing i went all right so i went two weeks later i'd written business with a client in utrecht so i kept the bottle of champagne for myself if you look for it it's there you just gotta look for it so i don't have one string i'm you know i don't have one string to my bow so yes i get work through agents i get work through online casting i get work through direct marketing i get work through social media get work through local connections networking which was a surprise to me but in this part of the world but you know nevertheless you know referrals from other voice actors yeah um it's everywhere there's a, there are, I, I, I'm often heard saying there is a veritable mountain of work available if you choose to look for it. Fantastic. What is, what's one piece of work, just an example, where you did not expect to find work in that place? Locally. Mm -hmm. So I live in South Carolina, y'all. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm a Brit. So who's going <laughs> to hire a Brit to, to market their local you know air conditioning business you know i say let us come and fix your your broken air conditioning unit you know eight thousand dollars no problem uh you know i just had that I, I had my fault the wrong mindset i didn't think people would hire me and so they didn't and then my wife will get credit for this uh, uh one of the local churches was having a high tea <laughs> and uh, she knew someone who had all this old british crockery mm -hmm. so we borrowed that and we we sponsored and she decided she she decided on my behalf that we were sponsoring a table so we went and we set up the table with all the crockery and the you know cups and saucers and plates and all that and we put my business cards around the table and few months later i got a phone call from the church um uh, they were they they do this thing this sort of uh i guess you call it a live event experience okay. around easter time yeah where they where they have people at different stations um telling the story if you like of uh, the easter story um and what they decided was that they wanted to have uh like a these like a museum tour you know a, a, an audio tour uh, of these things and they wanted someone to do it and they hired me yeah and then they wanted a children's version of it and they hired my daughter to do that uh so suddenly this is one of this you know the sort of the big churches with all the video productions and all that um uh, so uh, that was a, a really interesting experience uh, and it made me realize that that maybe I had something that was marketable locally. 
and I've done work for quite a lot of churches now and you know and the Billy Graham Institute in Charlotte you know and 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 it, it, it suddenly there's all this other work real estate at the luxury end particularly I, I it's you know who wouldn't want my plummy tones booming out from you saying please buy this 10 million dollar seaside home you know, right. um, uh, you know, there is market. So, as I said, so my mindset has now changed. Um, it, it's there. There's a veritable mountain of work there if you go looking for it. And I had closed the door on that and, and I regret it because five years later and now doing business locally. And so on the coaching side, you've, you've, you've done um, a lot of, you've, you've had a lot of co coaching sessions where you've, you've done a lot of coaching. What are some of the key things that you've learned from your past coaches that have kind of been trade landmarks in, in helping your business and helping your performance? Um, uh, Pre-life, particularly. Pre-life? Pre-life. So you've got a script mm -hmm. and it, that script is, is a person that that you're portraying right it's a ceo or or you know if it's a corporate thing or it's an orc in a game whatever but before that moment in the game mm -hmm. that ceo or that orc was doing something they didn't just materialize into that meeting from you know the ether and be a ceo they were doing something beforehand right. so so even if it's walking into the room with a file under your foot you know like, okay, I've got to go into this meeting now. Here's my file and here I go. Um, uh, and um, just, you know, even a couple of words verbalized. And it, it's amazing when I've, when I've talked to other people about it and said, okay, do it and say, hey, Andrew, did you know that? And off you go, whatever it happens to be, whatever little sentence you choose that fits the, the context. I have found a great deal of resistance from people to actually physically do that and verbalize it. They'd rather do it in their head, but I have found by verbalizing it. Uh, so if I'm struggling with a read, I, I, I too will often verbalize it in my head first. Uh, and if, but if it's not just working, I'll, I'll verbalize it and use, you know, edit it out afterwards. I'm forever saying, you know, with my daughter, I coach my daughter through her reads when she's doing them you know uh, uh just doesn't matter flub away make all sorts of we can always edit it out in post we can always get rid of it afterwards so verbalize hey andrew did you know that we just opened a new factory with seventy thousand square feet whatever it is you know? oh, i did not know that uh, did you make and, sure that you put that in the right files or <laughs> <laughs> and and just cut it out afterwards so uh, i learned that from uh so uh, there was a guy uh in greenville his name is stanley fisher mm. uh he's now in florida we we're still in touch but he he was uh in terms of understanding the american market and how that works he was very influential and he taught me that he introduced me to that idea so there you go that's my big tip for today pre-life <laughs> pre-life imagine what the person was doing before the event that you're portraying happened that's fantastic so what um i mean other than pinball what do you enjoy <laughs> doing outside of the booth like uh like what really like what what refills you because i mean we stare at 
screens a lot and we spend a lot of time in our in our little studio so how do you refresh yourself uh, we have a dog which you may hear at some point mm-hmm. uh so we walk the dog you know i'm i'm at an age where rushing around and and doing highly i used to be i used to play a lot of sport mm-hmm. i was a sportsman and i'm not so i play golf now um and a bit of pinball once in a while <laughs> you call a sport but there you go um so we try and make sure if not every week at least every other week we go somewhere out into the into the wilds sort of a nicely well paved path through the wilds if that's all right um and get out in the fresh air and walk the dog and and clear the cobweb so that if you like in a sense gets me out of the little you know the enclosed box um i have a family so you know we spend time together um you know in, in america shopping's a thing so i suppose uh, as a as, as a man um i wouldn't say shopping's high on my list of priorities but uh, as a family man you support your family so uh, i do that play golf with my father-in-law we try and play every week but that doesn't happen because what's been really interesting for me through the pandemic is that I have found myself booking increasingly regularly live directed sessions rather than self-directed sessions. Really? Uh, yeah, it's kind of odd. I'm not sure why. Maybe directors are rattling at home and they think, well, I'll connect live and do it rather than just going, I've got other things to do. You do it. I'm going to go off and do something else. Maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Just invented that thought. <laughs> um but yeah so i have i have live book sessions i don't know every week it seems uh multiple i had to go to the uk um my mum needed to move into assisted living she's quite elderly and uh the week the week before i went so you you do that thing where you tell everybody i'm gonna be away Mm. if you need something i need to know now Mm -hmm. um and i had uh eight live sessions in the five days before i left crazy i know i was basically jumping from one session to the next for a week which was a first um that's awesome you know i had a lot i had uh what have i done this week so it's monday monday was yesterday Mm -hmm. um uh i didn't have a live session yesterday uh i've got a live session this afternoon and I've got one on Thursday for a game. That's what I've got booked this week for live sessions. So I was going to play golf on Wednesday, but it's going to rain on Wednesday. No, uh, there's some other event happening at the golf course on Wednesday. So we can't play Wednesday. So golf's out this week. Gotcha. Hey ho. <laughs> so if you were to go back to when you were working in wealth management, if you were going to write yourself a Do I have to? <laughs> well, if you were to write yourself a letter now and to tell yourself back during those days from your yeah. perspective, what would that letter say? Leave now. Leave. <laughs> you didn't like go, it. Go be like a voice it. actor now. You didn't enjoy uh, well. Not that I didn't. I mean, no, I know this is so much better, but you didn't enjoy right. it. Right. So, so um, I enjoyed 80% of it for... Okay. 70% of the time, let's say. Okay. You know, there was a lot of it that, that, you know, I loved, I loved the client relationship part. I, you know, I, I talked about 
you know sitting in people's wonderful houses and getting to know them and 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 chatting about their lives and, and <laughs> what they wanted to achieve with their lives and you know it's, it's not the, the money's not important it's really not it's what the money does for you that's important and so that's what the kind of conversations we'd have and then you'd end up with a solution at the end of it and people go oh, well that does what we said we wanted to do so great i'll do that uh so that part of it was great um but but towards the end so again to just to reflect on that um as as banks were trying to shed people because they're expensive and they're trying to to uh, uh technologize the process so the people that were there to support me doing what i did best were no longer there so the bits that you know so i would go out i don't know eight till six with commutes mm -hmm. visiting people collecting data from people having chats I'd get home at six, have dinner with the family for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then sit down with my computer to write a 50 page report. You know, so it became unenjoyable. So, you know, there was that part of it. But um, the freedom that I have now the, the, of expression the responsibility is all mine mm. um so if you know i do it sooner i suppose leave now means do it sooner because you know i'm seven years in and i look back and i think well i could have been 15 years in or i could have been 20 years in um when i was in my mid to late 20s and I was doing the amateur theatre stuff. A friend of mine worked for a local radio station in Liverpool in England. And uh, I don't know exactly when it was. You could look it up. But Paul McCartney, now Sir Paul McCartney, bought his old school and turned it into LIPA, the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. And he pre-recorded he pre an interview with Radio City, the local radio station. And my friend was was responsible for getting this out on the air. Mm -hmm. And he decided rather than him asking banal questions to a microphone and then cutting it together, he would make it more of a theatrical event. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me if I would go in and record snippets of a fake interview with one of Paul McCartney's teachers. <laughs> gotcha so i played paul mccartney's teacher in this interview that was what i did and that was back when so that was my first encounter with voiceover although i didn't really know it at the time mm -hmm. i look back on that now and i think why did nobody why was voiceover not a thing right you know it's much more of a thing now it seems to me um so in my mid to late 20s i could have started being a voice actor and i could be a 40 year veteran you know and i would have i'd be peter dixon you know right. when i look at i read his book and he and i are a very similar age and we we had very similar starts in life and then he went off and became one of the most famous voices in british broadcasting and i went and flogged investments to unsuspecting millionaires i mean <laughs> <laughs> 
and you know so so what would i say I'd, yeah you know that voiceover thing do that now that's fun absolutely so where can people find you and, and where can people find your work uh if you go well google google is your friend <laughs> If you put so I've I, so one thing I did which was a bit different I think to what most people do most people brand their voiceover business as I don't know Andrew Morrison VO Ian Russell VO that seems that's you know your name yeah who okay name me a creative director who doesn't know you who is going to go onto Google and go I'm looking for Andrew Morton voiceover. None. That's where direct marketing comes in, right? Right. But what if your brand, so my brand, if you want to find me on the internet, if you, let's say you were a creative director and you were looking for a British voice and you typed British voiceovers, mm -hmm. my name will come up. I won't be the only one, but my name will come up because my branding is the British voice. Gotcha. It's not Ian Russell. It's the British voice or Ian Russell, the British voice. So all my social media, all and my website is britishvoiceovers.com. Gotcha. I did have, I still do have the britishvoice.net as well. Because I couldn't get .com because somebody already had it. Damn them. Um, <laughs> you look on LinkedIn, I'm Ian Russell, the British voice. You look mm -hmm. on Instagram, it's the British voice. You look on Twitter, it's the British voic. Because someone already had the British voice. Dang them. So, so, uh, if you want to find me, just search Ian Russell, the British voice or the British voice or British voiceovers. I'll be there somewhere. You'll find me. My website is British hyphen voiceovers.com. That's me. That's what I do. I, and it, that came out of a, a naivety as well. Cause I came here, I arrived in America and so I'm going to be a British voiceover person. There's going to be no one else here doing that. So I'll call myself the British voice and everybody will find me only to discover that there's one on every street corner, a British voice that is, because there's lots of us here being voiceover people and they're all lovely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. This has been great. Thank you. Did we learn anything? Yes. I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm... Come to my if you're coming to Dallas to one the one voice conference, please come to my talk because there's nobody else there. I will be there. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to Ian talk about how his marketing skills built him into a multi-award nominated voice actor and how he used his past skills to build a voiceover career towards success. If you'd like to know more about Ian, you can visit him at www.british-voiceovers.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The VoiceOver Coffee Shop. For more information on guests, new episodes, and more, be sure to visit www.vocoffeeshop.com.